Welcome to Loop Weekly. I'm Gene along with Andrew for the week ending April 8th. And what a week it has been. Started out with a bang on Monday with Elon Musk announcing, uh, the, or at least the filings announcing that Elon Musk has invested in Twitter. Next, we had more shutdowns in China throughout the week, which impacts the supply chain. And last, uh, finished the week with quite a party. Uh, that would be the Cyber Rodeo with a ribbon cutting uh, for Giga Texas. And we'll bring it back to the top. Andrew, Monday, we come in. Uh, the news is that Elon has, uh, call it, just under a 10% stake, the largest outside shareholder of Twitter. And what goes through your mind initially? Yeah, big investment. And what first initially went through my mind was whether or not this was all above board with the SEC. Uh, he was taking a meaningful part of the company, 9.2%, with his investment. Uh, he was also, uh, in, in concert with it all, doing public polls on Twitter about certain features and whether or not uh, that we should find a replacement for Twitter. Um, it was all uh, driving the stock price up and down. And it turns out that he invested or had been investing before he did those public polls. So from a very high level, it seems like everything's above board. Then we start to digest things like he's joining the board and he's going to drive innovation at Twitter. Um, already, you see the CEO is tweeting about new features and he's doing polls himself on Twitter to ask the public about features that they can do. So the dynamics seems to be changing at Twitter from a leadership perspective. And I think it's positive for Twitter, Twitter culture and Twitter innovation. Of course, this uh, from a personality standpoint wasn't a surprise because you talked about some of the tweets and of course, Elon Musk feels strongly about free speech and uh, really what is it, what drives his investment uh, decisions uh, when, when you see this, this one felt obvious. It felt like it was brewing for a long time over the last couple of years. I, I kind of go back to that earnings call a couple of years ago where he just went off on the state of California after they had shut down Fremont for a few weeks. Uh, so what drives them? It's amazing how much an, uh, capacity Elon has to get involved in uh, companies and purposes or missions that are meaningful to him. You look at uh, Twitter, which he called the de facto public town square. Uh, look at Tesla uh, transforming and accelerating the transition to renewable energy, SpaceX. What the thread that ties these together for me is that he seems mission-driven in yeah. investing his money and his time as a leader. Neuralink, uh, the brain inter interface, right. uh, uh, the boring company to try to get around traffic. That makes that yeah, makes each a ton with of sense. like a very clear mission to um, benefit humanity in some way. And I believe that he uh, tweeted a picture related to the first board meeting at Twitter of him smoking dope with uh, Joe Rogan saying, looking forward to the first meeting. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, the first board meeting. And what, what is he, what's he going to want to accomplish ultimately? Well, I think that was in some senses a response to the reaction to him joining the board and potentially even Twitter employees oh, gotcha. uh, voicing concern it. about Elon joining the board and deteriorating the culture of the company. I'm sorry, so, Elon missed it. I thought well, you did that, Elon. But but I think everyone, he did, he did. Uh, 
post a picture of himself when he was being interviewed by Joe Rogan and just said something like, I can't wait for the meeting. Um, his actions are across the board, right? This kind of frivolous, playful, um, leadership style that, uh, is unprofessional, but also, um, refreshing and in some ways is part of that innovative culture that he drives at the companies there he gets involved. Mm -hmm. So we had the week starting out with that, then there's been uh, further moving on to our second topic, some of the shutdowns in China, further uh, shutdowns. This is specifically more in the Shanghai region. We've seen uh, some manufacturing impact of that. Tesla has manufacturing in Shanghai. If you're curious if they're not able to produce any cars through the end of April, which is probably a good guess, that probably sets back the full year by about 2%. It would be around 40,000 vehicles. Um, and so this is something that is uh, we're, we're starting to see more. There's a question about how does Apple ultimately play into this and how are they impacted by some of these shutdowns? And our take is that most of that comes in Shenzhen or understands that that's largely back up and running. And I think that the uh, if you just look at the lead times, we've checked this as of today, we do this every few weeks, is that the lead times on Apple products, we do this over uh, through six countries, the lead times continue to improve. Uh, so in the case, uh, most recently, it's six days. A month ago, at the beginning of March, it was 10 days, it was 16 days in, in January. And I'm curious, Andrew, we've done these uh, lead times for a long time, dating back to some of the initial iPhone launches. And uh, there's always this debate about is, is are the lead times, uh, how do you figure the demand versus the supply? So one case is uh, that supply is actually getting tighter in China because of shutdowns and Apple's lead times are coming in because demand is starting to soften. And the other case is that uh, they're just continuing to do a good job of producing. And this tends to be a little bit slower time of the year. So it's easier to keep up at this time of the year. What's your view? Well, my view here is that um, the demand is the less important lever right now. I think what's driving those lead times and uh, what's dictating product availability is primarily their ability to produce. And it seems like they are pulling a rabbit out of a hat uh, in terms of their ability to keep up with um, demand. And I also wonder though, is there a lag? Are they selling products that they built a month ago? And the real problem mm -hmm. comes a month from now when they're dealing right. with the current shutdowns. Um, what's your take on the impact of all this to Apple broadly? I'd love your opinion. I, I don't think that they had much supply sitting in, in, in the channel going into this because they still were show, showing, at least for their most popular products, still showing in March, they were show, still showing 10 days average lead times. Typically in March, it would be zero. So I think that they, I think it's authentic. I think that authentic in the sense that demand is, is still good. I have a question about how, if we do start to get into a recession, how that impacts all companies. And I suspect that you're gonna uh, see a message on this earnings period where companies will talk about uh, the March quarter was great, uh, but they maybe want to just have uh, kind of inject a little bit of caution. There's not much downside for management teams to just say, you know, maybe we're seeing a little something here. 
even if they're not seeing it, they may say that because if eventually they do see it, then, hey, we told you it was coming. And if it doesn't play to, to come to fruition, then uh, good news, we just surprised you on the upside. So I think about what's going on in the, the supply chain relative to some of the commentary we're going to get in the next few weeks in earnings and have a more cautious view about what the general tone. That said, I'm still a big believer in Apple. I think this can be a $250 stock. I think they're going to do $780 next year. The street's at $660. It's one man's opinion. Uh, but I'm still very optimistic about where they can where they can go with uh, where they can go with this. And uh, how are they doing it though? How are they keeping up? What do you know or have any insight into how they're keeping up? And um, also, I've heard a lot about the truck drivers and the risk that that poses. Um, any issues there? So there, there is a truck driver issue uh, specifically related to Shanghai. That if you're a truck driver, they don't want you moving around because of the spike that they're seeing in in COVID. Uh, but that generally doesn't impact Apple. Most of the production is at Foxconn, which is outside. It's more in the Shenzhen region. And so to answer your question, how are they doing it? Uh, I think they have been running at full steam ahead uh, for the last really six months, trying to do as much production as possible. And they're just benefiting from a natural, you're still going as hard as you can. You're benefiting from the natural seasonality. This is March is typically March, June. Those are the low quarters of the year. And so if you kind of a, approach it with the same intensity, the production side as you did in your holiday quarter, you're going to start to catch up. And I think that's what we're, we're seeing. So it's more of a, a reflection of the calendar and they're good relationships. Uh, uh, they're more reflection of the calendar than it's about any sort of magic sauce that Apple has in terms of navigating what everyone's going through. Got it. Well, we started with Elon, started the week with Elon being Elon and the Twitter stuff. We finished the week with Elon being Elon back at Tesla and uh, hosting a huge party in Texas. Can you tell us about the cyber rodeo and any takeaways that you had? So the biggest takeaways there is actually some material updates. I think a lot of people looked at the event as just a more, more or less a thank you party to their employees. There's 15,000 people there, the new employees. It's a ribbon cutting for the people who worked in to build it uh, and saw it as uh, just another chance for Elon to get out and speak. But I think the substance of it was largely missed in that. And I think there were three key takeaways. Uh, the first was on the production side. When you see this factory, it uh, it just totally blew me away. When I saw someone sent me a video of them driving past the factory, probably at 50 miles an hour. And I kept thinking the video is gonna end and it just kept going and going. The building kept going and going and going. And uh, finally, when uh, he got around the corner of the building and I just uh, had this feeling of like, traditional automotive is in a, in a, in a, gonna be in a really tight spot. This factory is incredible. So first takeaway is on production. They talked about 500,000 model Ys and, and ramping to a million from that. And just how the sheer innovation of what they're doing there in terms of the machine that makes the machine, the robotics of it, I think this gets largely underappreciated. I'm basing that off of a recent uh, General Motors uh, announcement about a factory that they have doing EVs and you watch that video, this is produced by GM, you watch that video and it, it feels like you're watching something from the 1980s in terms of how cars are produced, humans moving body panels around. So uh, the production lead you know, is, is quite remarkable just on the sheer size. That was the first uh, piece. I think the second is his comments about uh, just new products. And he said, this is the year we're uh, scaling as a priority. 
but next year there's going to be a massive, uh, massive number of new products. Massive was the word that he used. Uh, that of course is Cybertruck, potentially Model Two, uh, the semi. Uh, that could be a uh, dare I say a minivan. I'm just guessing between lines, but then you could have HVAC in there. Uh, there's other uh, products uh, just outside of transportation that they potentially could be doing. And he said that they may be producing the robot, which you could kind of throw Optimus Prime out. It's just kind of a uh, kind of a, a, a side project in my view. But the point is, is that uh, there's some more products that are, are are coming. And the last piece that really stood out, the last material piece that you just had to step back and just kind of take it all in. And uh, this concept of how powerful Elon is and, mm. and really motivating people. Some uh, would consider this uh, a religion. I know Doug thinks about this as a religion. I see uh, why he he talks about it as such, but it is quite remarkable. And you think about a typical car company spending 10% on advertising and Tesla not spending much of anything on it and the power to bring these people together and the energy. I sadly was not at the event. But I got up and I go to bed early. I got up at 9.30. Yes, I go to bed that early. I got up at 9.30. I assumed that he was going to start 30 minutes late. And thankfully, I was spot on. And I just kind of uh, the ability to get people. They had about 700,000 views on their channel. Uh, and if you look at other of their events, they typically get between 2 and 5 million views after a few months. Uh, to put that in perspective, an Apple uh, event typically gets about double that. Um, iPhone launch can get up to a million, as 20 million, but really it's like Apple at the top in terms of their ability to get people to listen, and then Tesla. And then if you look at where like the traditional auto would be to do this, imagine like if Toyota did an event like this, it would be, uh, it would be comical. And uh, the, so that those are the three things that really stuck out to me. And I wanted to ask you, I know you have a, a very detailed eye and one of the criticisms at the event was in terms of some of the fit and finish around Cybertruck and was curious what your take was on that. Well, I saw some concerning pictures from party goers <laughs> that uh, showed panels from the Cybertruck itself that were not aligned, not even. And I think there is a general concern about Tesla, Tesla's build quality. But to look at a prototype um, like the Cybertruck, um, you know, think back to the shattered glass on the window um, and these door panels, I don't think they are indicative of the final product. So I think it's too early to make a call on the build quality of Cybertruck based on something. They just wanted to have a couple of models out there uh, for people to see. And as part of the cyber rodeo, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think it's a concern at this point. Um, but Tesla's always, I think, uh, playing catch up on build quality. So we'll see. A uh, question for you. Uh, Doug wanted to be on today's episode. Scheduling wouldn't allow it. Of course, uh, uh, Doug is a, a firm believer that Tesla is an incredible brand and, and a great product. He's been judicious about valuation, questions around that. And we do have a bet, Doug and I have a bet about how many uh, uh, next year, uh, who will sell more. Uh, uh, the Ford electric F-150 or the, the Cybertruck. And Andrew, if I can pull you into the melee here. Yeah, I'm on the Cybertruck to... side of that vote. Okay. We had two for Cybertruck. One, we will add you, duly note, Rebecca, make sure we add Andrew to uh, that category. And uh, that's the, the, the wrap on 
the uh, cyber rodeo from Austin, but not the wrap on today's episode because we do have the toy department. Tonight's a big night related to Apple TV and some of the things that they're doing to push the edge. Andrew, you want to tell us more? Tonight is Friday Night Baseball live on Apple TV+. Plus. I think uh, what's fascinating about this is Apple's first foray into live sports. Uh, so what will the production value be like? Who is the announcing crew? Uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions in my mind as a viewer around what that'll be like on Apple's platform. So I'm looking forward to tuning in to the Mats versus the Nationals tonight at 7 o'clock Central. One thing that wasn't clear to me is, will there do you need to be a TV Plus uh, subscriber to see this? You need to have access to the Apple TV app on your television, but you do not need you do not need to be an Apple TV Plus subscriber. It sounds like Apple is going to give this away for free to anyone with access to the Apple TV app. Okay, and free indefinitely, or uh, we don't know how and free how free it's going to be. I don't know. I think it's free for now. Free for now. That'd be my guess. They do a few games and then they eventually. Uh, kind of erect a paywall around it and show them what I'm excited just to see how they like you talk about the production value just do they add something baseball I don't know a lot about baseball but there's obviously a lot of statistics involved and it is uh, more of a chess like match uh, between managers and it'd be fun if they could really exploit that almost take like a formula one type of a approach mm. and and overlay that uh, just uh I just tipped my hand about a future content that I hope Apple gets into Formula One. It is a loop holding. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that and look forward well, to it. Quick, quick add though. When you watch Ted Lasso on Apple TV or the morning show on Apple TV, there is this intangible Apple quality to mm -hmm. that content. And that's what I'm wondering. What does that look like through. expressed on live TV, live sports that we all love so much? fun stuff uh it is uh important night even if you're not a baseball fan it's a big night to see how apple expresses itself in live sports on behalf of andrew gene and tonight's friday night baseball game uh bye for now